And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes, chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. We want to thank you very much for tuning in and listening to us on a Sunday night. We've got a very exciting and diversified show lined up for you tonight. Uh, coming on up uh, right after uh, 5 o'clock here, we've got uh, Jerry Hamza. Jerry is an author of a new book called, entitled uh, True Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. Jerry was part of the management team that uh, went around the, the world with George Carlin. And in doing that, he had a chance to do hunting and fishing in some places that uh, none of us would ever get a chance to do. So he'll be talking about his new book tonight. Also, uh, coming up at uh, 6 o'clock, we're going to have Dr. Tom Martins with us. And all I can, I'll just give you a little taste of Dr. Tom. Tom is the last individual to qualify for one of the most prestigious bass events coming up in 2016. We're going to talk to Tom and see how he turned out to be the last and 55th member of the bass, to qualify for the Bass Masters Classic. So Tom will be on with us at 6 o'clock. And as usual, we'll have local reports from Phil Friedman and Captain James Nelson. But before we introduce our first guest to you, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and represents many other fine products in the fishing industry, Ms. Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Had a great day on the water yesterday. It was a lot of fun and a lot of good fish. Well, you know, we were worried a little bit about the weather, but uh, judging by uh, some of the pictures I saw from that trip, you should not let the weather get in the way when it's time to go fishing. You know, we knew it was going to, we thought it was going to be bad. It wasn't as bad as we thought. And you know what? The fish don't mind. They're already wet. <laughs> All right. Wendy, hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, learn about some of the highlights of your trip. But let's get right to our first guest. This individual had an opportunity to travel the world. And when doing so, he took a lot of opportunities to hunt and fish. He is author of the Outdoor Chronicles, The True Tales 
of a lifetime of hunting and fishing. Let me introduce to you our Southern California audience to Mr. Jerry Hamza. Jerry, welcome to the show, sir. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, John. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to talk to the people in sunny Southern California. Well, you know, we're all happy over here because our Chargers won, and whether or not they're going to be the San Diego Chargers or the L.A. Chargers, what the heck, there's uh, there's no gloom in Mudville tonight. <laughs> good, good. I'm, I'm glad that they won, and I, I hope they stay close by, but uh, time will tell. We'll see. Now, hey, Jerry, we invite you on the show tonight. You are a uh, an author of a new book uh, with uh, that uh, tells a little bit about your tales of hunting and fishing. But tell us about this book because it's not necessary, uh, necessarily a how-to book. How do you best describe the book? Yeah, um, it, you know, it's not it's not a how-to book at all. It's it, it's not a book that's going to make you a better hunter or a better fisherman. It's a it's a book that's going to make you want to go hunting or fishing, whatever your your particular bag is at the time. It's really it's really um, you know it, it goes back to it's the American roots of uh, short stories. You know uh, they're they're nice anecdotal stories with a, sometimes a little bit of a moral hidden inside it. Um, they're fun to read. There's 15 chapters. Uh, I guess in today's world we might even call it a bathroom book. Uh, you can pick it up and put it down easy. And uh, this this is pleasure. This is reading for pleasure. Well, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, uh, how did you get involved in hunting and fishing? And then how did that involve, uh, evolve into you writing articles and to get to where you are today? Um, you know, I grew up in a family that liked to fish. And uh, somewhere along the lines in my uh, formative years, I, I I picked up a a pain bamboo fly rod at a garage sale for three dollars a long time ago, and it's been all uh, it's been all fishing from there on. Um, I, I was lucky enough to lead a different kind of lifestyle. I, I was part of George Carlin's management for thirty years, and then I went on to uh, become president of the Cat Fancers Association, which actually, with George, I, I hit every nook and cranny in North America and fished most of it and hunted a lot of it. And then with the Cat Fancers, I, I, you know, it, there was a lot of international travel. I, I did a lot of uh, a lot of traveling in Asia and, and fished there. Um, one of the things was I'd always loved to be outdoors. And about four years ago, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I know it sounds cliche, but I, I promised myself that if I got through it, I was going to do some of the things I always wanted to do. And, and fishing was one, and writing books was one of those things. Wow. Now, you know, but, you know, before you wrote the book, obviously you were writing short stories. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, some of the works you did in short stories and what that got for you. Um, you know, I, I started actually as sort of a simultaneous thing. I, I started working on the book, which was, um, you know, it's a collection of short stories. And along the way, if I said, oh, boy, I'll bet that, uh, I'll bet that the, this magazine or this, uh, uh, periodical would, would be interested in the story. So, uh, one of the stories I sent to, uh, I entered in the Robert Travers, uh, outdoor writing contest and, <laughs> I, I won the uh, the uh, outdoor writing. I won the award, 
and uh, that was a, a, a nice thrill, a nice surprise. And I, I've been in various other magazines, um, uh, uh, Covey Rise, which is a beautiful, uh, um, cock, you know, beautiful coffee table book. Um, I've got some stuff coming out in in the near future in Fly Fisherman. So uh, you know, it's they kind of go hand in hand. It's a uh, you know, the 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 hard part though is that uh, the magazines have gotten to be to the point where they 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 only have a a certain amount of space for a story. So you know, you might end up seeing a story that's uh, four or five thousand words cut down to fifteen hundred. It's it's tough. Yeah, it it makes it hard to really kind of develop the story and to bring in not only technique but also bring in some of the more esoteric parts of the trip and it and it sounds like what you have emphasized is the experience of the places that you've been into not only in North America but it seems like you were in a unique position that you had a chance to fish some of the places in the world that the average uh, bear will never get the opportunity to see yeah, I mean, um, you know, this is a fishing program, so we'll talk about, um, you know, I did, one of the stories is about a um, beautiful place in Canada, and one is about a great uh, landlocked salmon lake in, in Maine. Um, you know, there's Quebec, there's South America. Uh, there's a story called Grasshoppers in Chile, which I think is a fun read. Um, so it, it does. It gives you a chance to to, you know, see what it's like in other places, which I, I think is fun. Jerry, when you were uh, traveling around, were you at, Were you taking notes? Uh, were you keeping a journal? Or were you actually writing during the time? Or was a lot of just uh, uh, memories uh, that were done uh, after you made the trips? You know, um, it, mostly I just wanted to make sure that I I wasn't writing the book as I was living the book. You know, I, I I just did these things. And then when I would come back, sometimes I'd write a few notes. I'd jot just a few notes. But mostly I, I like to let the ideas soak for a while. And and I, I don't know how other people write, but in my instance, I, I like to, you know, savor the experience for a while. And then I start writing it in my head. It, it's by the time I sit in front of the keyboard, it's it's pretty well. Uh, I've got it figured out, and then it's just a matter of putting it to the. We used to say to the paper, but now it's yeah. uh, now it's to the screen. So uh, the short stories. Uh, were you taking these short stories and you were submitting them to certain publications or magazines, or how did that evolve? Um, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that I had a. A really hard road, but it, it hasn't been that way. I'm, I, I guess I've been lucky. Uh, the first book I, I wrote, I submitted to Skyhorse Publishing, and um, they, you know, they wanted to publish it. So I, I don't really have any rejection letters. Um, you know, the the first thing I submitted to a magazine won the Robert Travers Award, and it's just, it, you know, it's it's been kind of nice. The the other part, though, that's more into reality is that outdoor writers don't make a lot of money. If you want to get rich, this is not the way to go. So 
Well, obviously, you know, you were in the management team with uh, George Carlin, and that is something that obviously has passed since George has passed. So was this another, uh, like a second career that you took on, or were you uh, well enough off that you could retire and devote all your time to this? Um. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, when George passed away, it was it was tough because not only was he somebody I worked with, he was a good friend, um, but you know, life changed after that. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I had had enough other things going that it, it, you know, I I still work and I still have to make money because there's no, you know, the writing is nice, but it's it's not the meat and potatoes; it's the gravy, and. Uh, so that that's just uh, you know I, I have a regular job I go to, um, but luckily, you know it's a it's a it's a company that we we own. So um, I have some liberties that you know if I want to go fishing or if I want to. I, I guess I call myself a relaxed employed uh, since the cancer. I, I don't fight the rat race as hard as I used to. Well. Tell us to some of the places in the world now that you've had the opportunity to to fish and and were there any unusual circumstances that uh, it caused you to get there? Um, you know, I, I fished on every continent except except Antarctica. I, I'm still trying to figure out how to how, how to fish that. It's a it's sort of a challenge because I want to be able to say I fished every continent. Um, you know, some of the best places, I, I love South America. It reminds me of, uh, of what our country probably was like, um, you know, in the 1820s, 1830s. I mean, you see the gauchos, you know, they, and they're reminiscent of the Western cowboy. And, um, you know, it's just very low um, population density. So the, the land is still pristine and... Uh, so I enjoy I enjoy South America, and I try to get there whenever I can. The other nice thing about it is, is the seasons are opposite ours, so that uh, when, when I'm really starting to hate winter, it's a good place to go to, to get away from it. You know, when looking at these exotic places to go fishing, and remember ABC's uh, 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 series, uh, uh, the American Sportsman, and There'd be times like it seemed like they'd be in some of the most exotic places in the world, in New Zealand and Australia and South America and stuff like that. Yeah, Kurt you know, Gowdy. You're talking you, about Kurt Gowdy. Yeah, with Kurt Gowdy, sure. Yeah. Do you yeah, was, uh, liken yourself something to have done uh, pretty much the same type of thing? Yeah, I, I, I have. I have. I've... I've you know, I'm an avid fly fisherman, but I like other kinds of fishing. I just like to go and do things that are, you know, are they look like they'd be fun to do. And I like to get, you know, I guess I'm I got a touch of gypsy in me because I I like to go all over the planet. This is a marvelous planet. Um, you know, part of my message is to you know get away from the virtual reality and enjoy some. Uh, natural reality, and you know that's that's what I'm into. I like to hear the cadence and the the uh, the rhythms of nature, you know, unfettered, sort of like uh, I guess what the Native Americans preach. 
Okay. Hey, we are uh, speaking with uh, Jerry Hamza. He is author of The Outdoor Chronicles, The True Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. And, and Jerry, can you stay with us uh, just a little bit longer while we take a commercial break here? You bet. You bet. Hey, you are listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Hey, if you missed any of tonight's show, you can go to rodandreelradio.com. You can hit the archives, or we've got exciting news for everyone. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast that you can subscribe to at iTunes. You can go to Stitchers or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Rod and Reel Radio and subscribe. So we'll tell you more about that as we go on tonight. But Wendy and I, we've got to take a break right now. Our special guest tonight is Jerry Hamza. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 
800-800-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal. You know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Wendy Toshihara is with us tonight. Co-host Dan Vandenberg, he's visiting families over this uh, Christmas holiday, so he'll be with us probably in a couple of weeks. Hey, we have with us author uh, Jerry Hamza. He is author of The Outdoor Chronicles, The Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. And, Wendy, you've had a chance to travel all over the United States. Have, have you ever thought, you know, i got to keep track of this because this would make a pretty good book. You know, it does, and I never thought about it, but, boy, all the different places that you get to go, whether it's the Amazon, whether it's Alaska, or even Costa Rica, or even just here in our own backyard, all the places that there is to go in our own backyard, um, that would be great. You know, and I, I think you'll agree with Jerry. I mean, we can, you know, talk about fishing and techniques and lures we made, but... Part of the experience of going fishing are the places you've been to, the people you've seen, the scenery, and and just the whole ambiance of the experience. And fishing is just sometimes icing on the cake. Oh, most definitely. Jerry, in some of the places, uh, talk to us in some of the places that you've been that uh, just totally blew your mind when you went to them that you, you didn't think they'd be the experience that you had there. Yeah. Um, one of the places was uh, on the Canispecaw River in Quebec. Um, I wrote a story called Wananiche. Wananiche is a, uh, a hybrid uh, jumbled up word between uh, French Canadian and uh, Native American, and it, it 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 talks to a fish that swims in those waters, which is a a landlocked version of the Atlantic salmon. Um, if you want, I can just to give everybody a flavor. I, I can read like the last two uh, paragraphs of the of the story one in each. Please feel free to yes. Okay, well, so I've been there for a couple of days, and I talk about all the wonderful things and. Uh, Anyway, here, here I go. I lay on my back at the end of the long dock. I wait for the darkness to envelop my persona. As the lights fade and the sky darkens, the sky is so clear. You can feel the heat of the day radiate away. In its unusual clearness, the stars twinkle and radiate. Without the light pollution from civilization, the Milky Way just glows like a hot iron fresh from a blacksmith's fire. It is a moonless night, but dark would be the wrong adjective. The air is so crisp, there is more than a hint of autumn to it. I feel plugged in. The wolves begin to sing. You can hear the joy in the chorus. They feel it, too. For some reason, the words from a Walt Whitman poem come into my mind. I sing the body electric. I feel it. 
the singing of the body electric. My senses seem to heighten. I am alive. And if on cue, the aurora starts. The sheets and waves of yellow, green, and blue, and the wave of the dance of the northern lights, building in, in intensity, the red of the color spectrum joins the dance. I am venerable and vulnerable on the altar of the universe. If God isn't here, he isn't anywhere. In awe of the sensory overload, my ears pick up a noise. It is a splash in the water, then another and another. I stand to see the cause. On the water, the image of the northern light is broken up by rings everywhere, as if only for me some sort of feeding frenzy is going on. I quietly grab my rod and tie in a size six atoms. As soon as it hits the water, I feel the take and set the hook. It is a good fish. What is it? In a moment, I land a beautiful and large brook trout. I smile with delight. I slip him and many others back into the colored waters. Each trout I hold, I feel the electric body. In time, I feel the need to take a break. I set my rod next to me and lay back and watch the sky once more. The following morning, I'm awakened by the guide, Remy. Did you sleep here all night? He asked in broken English. I must have dozed off, I say, and I smile. He sees the rod and the big fly and stops for a minute. Did you see God? I did, I say. So that's just a little bit of what the book is like. Well, you know, I I, I think you have put into most elegant words uh, what a lot of our our audience and fishermen have felt, whether or not it's in the middle of the night on a long-range uh, boat parked in between spots where it is so black that you can't see your hand in front of you, but you look up and there is just a gallery of stars in, in the universe. Or if you're fishing, uh, let's say, out here in the eastern Sierras, and you can see the mantle of stars that are that are up uh, above you while you can't even see a, a foot in front of you. Or traveling any of the places in the world where fishing can take you, that, as we mentioned before, that's part of the experience. Yeah, it's, you, you know, there are uh, especially politicians and other folks with agendas who like to make us think that we are uh, way different from each other and don't have a lot in common, and they try to break us into to groups. But the truth is we, we share, and that's a lot what the book is about. It's about the commonality and the beauty of, of life and, that, and the things we share in that. Now, you've also mentioned that you've had the opportunity to uh, go to Japan and fish some of the Orient, and that's an area that I don't, I don't think of fly fishing. What, what kind of an experience did you have there? Um, you know, I, I, I had a great experience. I, I was lucky enough to have come across some, some people that, the Japanese are very generous people, and, uh, you know, I was there on business, and they knew that I enjoyed fly fishing, so on occasion they would set me up uh, to fish for, uh, there's a beautiful salmon that, that often, well, you know, during the fall runs in Japan, it's called a cherry salmon, and I was able to do some fly fishing for that. And uh, I was privileged enough to, I don't know if you folks, you know, I'm sure you, you know of Tenkara, but, uh, um, you know, I was shown some of the, the, the original styles of fishing that way, and that was kind of cool, too. 
Explain to us what that is, uh, Jerry, for those that don't. Uh, Tenkara is, uh, it's really the anti-evolution of of fly fishing. It goes back to the very beginning. What you have is a long pole with, uh, you know, uh, probably equal to the size of the pole, which might be 10 to 12 feet. Uh, You have a a leader that's that same size. So you you fish that pole with with the with the simple fly and uh it's just you know it's just very simple you you're casting that short length of leader out with the long pole and the the fly and it's uh one one rod one length of leader and one fly you know i think in a lot and and wendy you probably know about that more than i will a, a lot of the um calendars and the magazines that i see that that emanate from Japan show that type of fishing. And, and you'll see a fella on a river with a rod that's uh, maybe 15, 18 feet long. And it seems like he's just dipping it into the holes. You know, I've never seen that, John. <laughs> okay. I'll have to look it up and, and take a look. Um, it sounds like, do they use like a, um, I guess like a cane pole or is it, a bamboo pole. Um, it's it made out of? Some, some of the tenkara poles are just beautiful. You, could, they, I mean, there are companies now that are making them out of graphite, but I, you know, the, the I've seen some beautiful ones out of bamboo. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Like uh, a, if you look at any of the magazines and or the uh, calendars, I know that I've seen from Kamikatsu. Many of the people that are fishing are, are fishing that method, and you see no rod and reel, and you kind of scratch your head because it's something that. We're just not used to doing over here. Jerry, if, if there is a place that, you'd, you know, that just calls for you to go back to, where would that place be? Um, you know, South America, really, in, uh, in the Patagonia region, which is shared by both Chile and Argentina. Uh, some exciting stuff is really happening there. Um, oddly, you know, oddly enough, North American salmon have taken root there. There's natural runs now. Um, some of the best brown trout fishing on the planet is there. Rainbow trout. There's a there's a lake I'm going to try to get to in February called Jurassic Lake, and it has uh, um, the thing is supposed to be. It's the perfect environment for rainbow trout, and um, you know, uh, hooking into 20 pound rainbow trout is supposed to be. Um, I would never call that easy, but very doable. And, hmm. you know, we've had a lot of fellas that uh, have fishing shows and uh, travel worldwide, uh, people like Larry Dahlberg and, and such. And they say that, you know, they have actually fished to some places where they scratch their head afterwards and you go, you know, I wasn't here at a time that was really good to be there because of whatever civil unrest or anything like that. Did you run into any situations like that where you were kind of uncomfortable to be there, but still the urge to go fishing there uh, uh, just surpassed uh, your anxieties? Uh, Yeah, uh, South Africa. I I was uh, in northeast South Africa, and uh, the civil unrest from the neighboring countries was, Spilling over the border, and you'd see refugees coming every day. 
and uh, it made you think. And actually, you know, now now in today's climate, anytime you get on an airplane for uh, international travel, it's always in your mind. Uh, Jerry, if if you have the perfect fly setup or can set up the perfect fly setup, what do you feel most comfortable fishing? Um, what I love, I love to fish bamboo. I, you know, it's just uh, when you can get into a nice place and you're fishing, uh, you know, I, I say I appreciate the art and the craftsmanship of, of fly fishing. So if you can get a, a beautiful uh made rod by a professor you know by somebody who that's their art form and then there's guys who tie flies that have the same thing it's you know i can tie a fly it's just like probably somebody can paint but there's a difference between a master and a in just an amateur so you know when you when you're finally in the on the stream you know on the water and you have this beautiful setup that's all been made by artisans and then you're sitting in a beautiful wonderful natural surrounding you know you, you start to it just starts to blend in norman mclean wrote uh, a river runs through it and I, I think that's what the uh i think that's what he was trying to explain in his book how you know fly fishing can can uh you know create a a, a circle of life well we are speaking with author Jerry Hamza. He is author of the Outdoor Chronicles, The Tales of a Life of Hunting and Fishing. Jerry, if people want to find out more about you, your book, and how to go about getting it, if it's not available out here on the West Coast, how's the best way to do that? Um, the book is published by Skyhorse Sky Publishing. Uh, I do know that it's in the bookstores like uh, Barnes & Noble. You can buy it online through Amazon, easy enough. Or you can go to my website, jerryhamza.com, and uh, if you do purchase it through my website, I will sign the book for you and send it back. That's the one advantage you have buying from me. Um, but it's available almost everywhere. Now, with uh, this book that has just come out, are you uh, putting together or have any ideas of a sequel or or something else in the hunting and fishing area? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, there's about an 18 to 24 month lag between when you write it and when the publisher can get it into the market. I'm about 85 uh, percent done with the next book and so i'm just uh, i'm probably looking for two or three more stories that i i want to go into it see this book here is 15 short stories it's about 250 pages long and that's that's what the publishers are looking for so it, really you write twice as much as you need to to boil it down to the best of and uh, just lastly uh, traveling all over the world you probably uh, also and uh, had the opportunity to travel a lot in the United States. Is there any one place in the United States that you, you like going to and saying, you know, I just can't get enough of it? Yeah, that would be the uh, the Northwoods in Maine. <laughs> is that because of the fishing, or is that because of the solitude? Well, it's both. It's both. It, it goes hand in hand. All right. Jerry? I know you're on the East Coast. I can't thank you enough for taking some time to, to talk to about, uh, us about your new book, The uh, Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. We may wish you much success, 
And thank you for, uh, you know, talking to our audience tonight and telling us about your adventures in your new book. Well, thank you. And thank you, Wendy. It was a pleasure to be on. And uh, keep the faith and happy holidays to everybody. Thank you, man. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. All right. Jerry Hams, uh, author of The Outdoor Chronicles, The True Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. Hey, Wendy and I, we got to take a break right now. You're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Hey, coming up next, what the heck is Phil thinking? Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Thank you, John. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra-strong circle hooks, Tuna hooks, ring to hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always Always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. You know, Wendy, that was kind of a little bit of a different segment because you're not talking about fishing techniques. You're not talking about rods and reels uh, or equipment. You're talking about the, the, you know, the esoteric experience you get from fishing. And I, I think we all, you know, do that just because of that. I, I, that's what we kind of call getting away, I guess. You know, it is getting away, and I was just asked recently, in fact, on Friday, you know, what is it that you love about fishing? And it's because it gets rid of all my stress, and you can go and have a great time and feel accomplished, too. Well, 
Hey, well, listen, let's go to the next guest because there's absolutely no stress involved with this guy. He is the <laughs> voice of uh, PFO Radio. It's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? And it's our special friend, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, John and Wendy and Stan, if you're there, it's great to be with you all. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. It's cold out, but, man, there is still some good fishing around, John. Isn't that crazy? I mean, uh, just when you thought, okay, this next pulse of weather that is that is coming through uh, and the surf that we had in the past week, that should uh, just about cut it off. But you're getting those darn fish. Well, it sounds like, um, did we lose John? Are we dropped out? Did we drop out? I, or? I think we lost John, Wendy. Oh, okay. Um, well, I guess it's just you and me, Phil. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're still on the air, so uh, why don't you give us your report and tell us what's going on? All right, I will do that, Wendy. And uh, once again, I mean, it may be cold out, and we may have had some fairly brisk winds last night, but the weather tomorrow is going to be just beautiful, Wendy and everybody. And here, uh, right out in front of Long Beach and San Pedro, there are all kinds of big yellowtail moving around right now, and there was some excellent fishing. The Monte Carlo half-day boat out of 22nd Street Landing in San Pedro had an excellent day up in the 20s on the yellowtail. One guy who was on board there is a friend of ours, Efren Vasquez, and Efren was on board. He's from Los Angeles, California, and he had four of these big yellowtail. Really great fishing. And I talked to Mitch Christensen live from the boat Southern Cal, and Mitch, of course, the half-day boat out of Pierpoint Landing in Long Beach, and he was just rolling up on another big school of yellowtail, and they ended up with 19 fish, but they lost, he thought, somewhere in the vicinity of about 30 of those big, fat yellowtail. They are tough. They're mean. They pull hard. They've got an attitude, and Mitch said, you are crazy if you don't come out here with at least 40 pounds, and he preferred 60 pounds. They're they're out there running around chasing bird schools, looking for meter marks, and when they find them, they're dropper looping or yo-yo iron fishing. And when you're fishing that kind of a rig, man, I'll tell you, heavy strength, 60 pounds is not a bad idea. That. Fish a big hook like a 5-0 hook, and you could be in really, really good shape that way. That's awesome. I heard that um, the Fortune also had some yellowtail. Yeah, a bunch of those guys. Anybody who was in that area, it's a morning bite. It, it has been just excellent. I mean, you had the Southern Cal, you had the Monte Carlo, you had the Sport King today. You had uh, a couple of other boys that got in on that bite also. Excellent fishing. The victory had several of those nice big yellows. Scott Buchert was sending me messages all day today. So really fine fishing. And, you know, mixed in with it, some huge sand bass and some excellent rockfish. You could hardly beat it as we're sneaking up on Christmas. That's awesome. You know, it sounds like it's just going to continue from 2013. <laughs> Well, Wendy, I think you're right. I mean, because every time we get a blow, you know, we get some inclement weather, we get rain. You know, more uh, recently, we had some really brisk gale force type winds, and it just doesn't stop this thing. It just keeps cranking along. And, you know, you look in other areas, the lobster fishing for the hoop netters at Catalina for the gale force and oh, Triton. Yeah. That has been just excellent over there. And the rock cod fishing up and down the coast. But up there in the Channel Islands, Santa Barbara, down there at Oxnard, out of Channel Island sport fishing, 
you talk about lynx and giant whitefish and reds and big old sheep's head. It has been just fabulous also. You know, if, if the weather lays down and the boats are able to get to the islands, the ling fishing is amazing. You get three lings, and they're up to 25 pounds. They're huge. I know. You talk about some great eating fish, but not only great eating fish. I mean, you were talking about it a moment ago, how you it relieves stress, and, you know, you get out there and get to fish. But lings, I mean, they actually pull hard. They're fun to catch. You can feel that big head shake and that thump, and you've got to get them up out of that bad neighborhood, as I like to call it, structure and other rocks that can saw you off. And so there's a challenge involved. They're fun to catch. They're big, as you pointed out. They're prehistoric looking. That adds to the whole thing. And then you top it off. They're just great eating fish. And watching that blue face come up out of the water. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I know. Is there anything like that? It looked like an alien, like a chupacabra or something coming up (laughs) out of the depth. Oh, yeah, and, and not to mention, besides the big lings, we uh, we actually had some really nice reds. They were huge, and the chuckles were huge, too. So it was, it was It's great fishing right now. What's the water temperature in L.A.? What, you know, are these yellowtail hanging around in, like, what, 67, 68-degree water? No, it's been reduced from that, Wendy. It's been, like, oh, I want to call it 62 to 64 degrees now over most of the oh, area. Wow. There's a little bit of 65, but they're hanging out in that cooler water and and they're good in that water they're pretty versatile fish where they can hang in that you know cooler water and then also in the warmer water so there's quite a bit of yellows that are frolicking around and i don't see them going anywhere there's some bait out there and there's no reason for these little devils to go anywhere right now all right hey hey guys can you hear me again Hey, we know you. You're back. Yeah, yeah. You know, took a little hiatus over there. I I took that esoteric trip uh, with uh, Jerry Hamza and just kind of mellowed out a little bit during the conversation. Sorry about that, guys. No problem. Hey, I've been listening to your conversation, and and, uh, uh, Phil, we talked about last week that you were traveling down to Ensenada. There was... Obviously, some business you were doing down there, but you were part of a get-together that uh, was talking about a subject that was pretty important to a lot of us fishermen here. Have you talked about that yet? I'm glad you mentioned I was doing business down there. I hope you'll call my wife in Costa Rica and tell her it's business. Please, (laughs) help me out, will you? Yeah, I I went down there for a couple reasons. We're doing business with a bus company in Tijuana, but more appropriate, more generic to what we're to more germane to what we're talking about here. I went down. There was a public meeting about the future of fishing at Guadalupe Island. Marisol Torres Aguilar ran the meeting. She's from a branch of the Mexican government that oversees all the areas that are protected. And I'll give you a brief idea of how the meeting went. Um, she gave a short little history of things that were going on. She mentioned that they're dealing with biospheres. have only been going on since 1995. That was when the first one was. So they've been perfecting the procedures over the past 20 years. They revisit what they're doing every five years and look for the best ways to conserve the areas as well as provide some access. Um, There was the attitude, and you can't argue with it as far as I'm concerned, that these are our fish, talking about Mexico and the Mexican people. These are our fish. This is our island, and we really don't need foreigners necessarily coming down here and exploiting the situation, underlying exploiting. So if we're not exploiting, perhaps there's a chance. And uh, there was some opposition to what was, and it was mostly as I talked to people in between breaks and everything, 
they they had the feeling or they 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 felt like some boats were disguised as sport fishing boats, but they really were commercial operations where they went down and instead of sending commercial fishermen, they sent passengers that are paying, came back, processed the fish, and then sold the fish back to the people. And they were very, very upset about that kind of thing. One source told me, guy in the Mexican government, forget it. It's, it's over with. There's not going to be any fishing here in at Guadalupe Island again very, very soon. A lawyer who was down there, exact opposite, told me, don't worry about it. U.S. base boats will continue to operate down there. Um, that and, and, and that sentiment that they don't want U.S. boats exploiting their fish, as I say, you, you have to be able to understand that. I get that whole thing. And I know where Marisol is coming from. Her job is to protect the island. So she's on that end of it. And our end of it is, of course, to do what we can to fish there, help the Mexican government with uh, financially as well, I think, as with some information, because once you close an area down, like these cow cod conservation areas that we have, once you close them down and don't allow any fishing, you lose the information. You don't know or have any idea what's going on. So there's some good reasons to allow people in there to fish. And I'll be heading back to Ensenada here in about four days. I've been invited to head on back down there right before Christmas to uh, chat with some folks down there on this very, very same issue. So hopefully it works out, John, but the sentiment, if you listen to how it was going, was a little bit bleak, if I had to to put it that way. But you just never know how these things are all going to work out. So you happen to mention uh, commercial fishing down there. Uh, When it came to the sports fishing, whether it's the U.S. sports fishing industry, um, you know, do they look at the sports fishing industry like they do commercial fishing because i'm i'm going to presume that if a boat goes down there and is is fishing that area they they have some type of permit right now and they have either paid something for that permit or there's limited access that so many permits are allowed and they they have a permit to do that uh that's just something i'm i'm not quite understanding right now phil well, I don't think that there's going to be a change tomorrow, John. I don't know what the timetable on this is. I know that a lawyer stood up and said, hey, you do not have the scientific evidence to close the island down. They basically drew a, a circle around Guadalupe Island and said, we don't want any more fishing in this circle. And that was the whole island. They didn't want any fishing at all. They did have, and, and I'm guessing at this because I couldn't see a scale, but about probably six, eight miles south of the island, there was a little quadrant where they were going to allow catch and release fishing. That was the plan. And this is a plan right now. So they were inviting public commentary on it. The lawyer says, you don't have science on this. And Marisol responded by, yeah, we do. We have a lot of science. And so the lawyer said, can you send me the science? And she said, of course. And we'll get back together about middle of January is what they were talking and saying to each other. So uh, it, it it, it's not something I don't think that's going to happen overnight, but the push from her wing of the Mexican government is to shut that island down and only allow catch and release fishing there. Whether that happens or not, you know, I mean, the lawyer, like I said, that I talked to down there said, no way, that's not going to happen. Uh, Mexican commercial fishermen were there, and they were, you know, upset with these kinds of plans. They said, hey, you've already taken away so much of our fishing grounds and you're going to take away more now. You're killing us here. And so, you know, there's that struggle. It reminds me a lot of the MLPA controversy that we had up here. It's a lot of the same thing going on. And 
And so that wing of the Mexican government, that conservation wing, wants to shut fishing down and just make it catch and release down there. There's all kinds of other factors that get involved here, politics and everything else. So we'll see how it plays out. And I think I'll get a better idea of how things are going in a few days again, John. Yeah, uh, because it, it just doesn't seem – is this the the same uh, um, agency or the same way of thinking uh, that with the bluefin tuna down there too that they were cutting it all off because of the fact that they uh, thought that the, the – uh, uh, the bluefin tuna were in jeopardy of being fished out. So they said, hey, we're not going to do anything until we kind of figure out what's happening. And now they, uh, I guess they have allowed the U.S. Uh, sports fishing industry to take two per person uh, down there. But I, I don't think they're, uh, they've got a lot of uh, commercial fishing for bluefin tuna down there yet. No, correct. And, uh, yeah, you, you heard strongly, loudly, clearly over and over again, I heard it. I talked to people and joked about it on my Spanish radio show, actually. But I, you, you heard over and over again, these are our fish, and we don't want to have foreigners exploiting our fish, coming down here and exploiting our precious resource. You heard it over and over again. And, and I talked to people, and I understand that sentiment totally. I mean, you know, if there were 26 pongueros off La Jolla tomorrow, there'd be an outcry here with a lot of people about, allowing Mexico to come in and fish our fish. So I get that whole thing. And, and, and I, I think it's just, they're trying to take care of their country. I really do. I, some people, one guy said, it's the Donald Trump factor that people are, uh, are sick of uh, hearing, you know, Donald Trump saying that, you know, you know, some of the things he said, like people coming from Mexico are rapists and murderers and a small percentage might be nice people. I don't think it's that. I think it's just people, Mexicans trying to protect their assets. And I think, yeah, these things can be worked out. I really do. I, I saw some some uh, rays of sunshine, and in speaking with Marisol and speaking with one of the scientists down there and a couple of other people, I, I see that there's some room to negotiate. But, but uh, you know, we're going to have to uh, give a little to get a little here. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. All right. Hey, Phil, if we want to catch up with what you're doing, you know, look at your blogs, uh, listen to the uh, radio show, find out uh, – just exactly what the heck Phil is thinking. How's the best way to go about doing it? Hey, John. Of course, we do everything bilingually, so you can catch our Spanish radio shows on AM 690, Fridays at 9 p.m., Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., Aventuras a la de Libre on Facebook, or you can check us out with our website. We're updating fishing constantly. We've got recipes. got all kinds of great stuff by going to www.pfomedia.com. Or visit us on Facebook at PFO. Oh, well, Phil, I know we're going to be talking to you during the week, but we want to wish you and all the family at Phil Friedman uh, Outdoors a very happy and holy Christmas. Same to you, John, Wendy, and everybody out there listening. Stan, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and just have a wonderful and blessed time with family and friends. Take care, John. Always nice talking to you, my friend. All right, that was the voice, Phil Friedman, with what the heck is Phil thinking? Hey, Wendy and I are going to take a break right now, and then we're going to come back with our next guest, Dr. Tom Martins. And Dr. Tom's got a story. He is was maybe the last, but in his case, the last was just as sweet as the first. We'll find out all about it, but stay tuned. More Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages.
can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Ford. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakie fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. In Southern California, welcome back to the second half of Run Real Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. My other co-host, Stan Vandenberg, who's normally with us. He's spending some holiday time with his family. But with us is Wendy Toshahar, National Sales Manager for Iserline. And Wendy, again, welcome to the show. I know you had a fishing experience that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on. Yeah, and you know what? I'm looking forward to our next guest. I'm so excited to hear what he has to say. Well, I, Wendy, I am too. And just to preface uh, what's happening... We talk a lot about the biggest bass fishing contest uh, uh, in the United States. It's kind of like the World Series of Bass Day uh, Fishing. It's called the Bassmaster Classic. This year, or coming up in 2016, 
55 of the top professional bass fishermen throughout the country, and this time from Canada, will be fishing in Grand Lake, which is outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's a number of different ways to qualify for this event. 35 of the places go to fishermen that have fished the Bassmaster Elite event, so it's the top 35 fishermen in that event, and there's anywhere between 100 and 150 pros that fish that event. And then around the country, BASS runs regional events, and they allow everyday fishermen like you and I a chance to fish these events, these circuits, and work their way up for the chance to fish the Bassmaster Classic, which is that gold ring. Now, there are 55 spots that are available. And up until last week, 54 of those spots were taken. But the last spot was just taken up, and it was taken up by our next guest. And we want to introduce him to you from Texas, Dr. Tom Martin. Dr. Tom, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio, and congratulations. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, no. Thank you for being with us. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, again, congratulations for qualifying for the Bassmaster Classic. Is this is this something that just not too long ago could have seemed like it was so unreal and so untouchable that, uh, you know, was ever going to happen? Or did you always feel confident that, hey, this is something I could do? Well, I mean, I'll be real honest with you. <laughs> we were watching, I was watching the classic, uh, the opening ceremonies last year with my two boys uh, on ESPN. And uh, I told them, you know, someday daddy's going to fish in that. And I had no idea it'd be the year <laughs> after. But, uh, you know, that's a true story. Oh, man. Well, I, you know, I guess it's sort of like an, an actor that sits at home watching the Academy Awards, and the next thing you know, they're nominated, and they're there in the crowd, and they're going through the uh, the anxiety of, am I going to be the next winner? You know. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about your your background as as a fisherman, and then also as a physician. Well, um, I, to be honest, I've only been tournament fishing for about five years. I. Uh... I grew up playing golf, and I was actually uh, trying to get on some of the mini tours. And then I uh, I tore my wrist and uh, put down the golf clubs and uh, bought a bass boat off a friend of mine and, uh, you know, just started fishing. And there's a, a ton of these uh, tournament trails out here in Texas. So, you know, it was real easy to start fishing tournaments, and I just fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, have, have you always had a real competitive nature to you or was it the uh you know you said you were fish uh, you you know you thought about going semi-pro in golf uh when you got fishing did you did you go to it the same desire or in the beginning was just this a little more oh, recreational for you oh uh, well you know it's i've always loved fishing and you know fishing for bass i actually grew up in arizona and would fish a lot of those lakes out there and uh, just loved it but even then i mean i was we'd have a competition between my dad, myself, and my uncle, you know, so you can get to the most fish. So, you know, I, you know, I just, uh, now, you know, when it's, if you're fishing in tournaments, when, it's just the competitive side, the love of fishing, and and then the prize at the end, just all three, it's just great. Go on, Wendy. When you were in Arizona, did you belong to any bass clubs or fish any team tournaments? And same with Texas, did you, did you start out, you know, fishing, fishing 
with just buddies, or did you uh, join a club, or what did you do? You know, when I lived in uh, Phoenix, I uh, I just played golf. I was uh, I was pre med in college. I went to Arizona State, and I was just uh, it was all about golf, 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 and I didn't really fish much at all in Arizona. Um, my collegiate years, it was mostly just fishing when I was a kid with my dad. But when I came out to Texas, it was still it was still golf until about two thousand two thousand nine is when I is when I hurt myself, and then I, I just uh, bought a boat. I joined a local bass club, and you know I couldn't even I couldn't even beat the guys in my club. And then now here I am fishing in the classic. <laughs> you know, Tom. Before I ask you, uh, you know, on what path you took uh, to qualify for the classic, uh, it's got to be a, a, a tremendous draw on your time from your profession, which is a uh, as a physician. And what area of medicine do you uh, practice? And then getting out to spend enough time on the water to hone your skill enough to to fish on this caliber of level. Well. I'm real blessed. I, I, my my formal training is in family practice, but I did I did mostly emergency medicine um, before uh, when I lived in Arizona. And I came out to Texas, and I got I got involved in occupational health, which is you know healthy people that get hurt at work. So the medicine's pretty easy. It's nine to five. There's no call. So my weekends are pretty much free to myself. And I have uh, I'm a single dad with two young boys, so I get them every other weekend. So. Every other weekend, I'm either I'm either fishing a tournament or I'm practicing for a tournament, and um, so work you know work doesn't really get in the way too much. All right, now then tell us uh, in 2016, uh, 15 when you started off, uh, or did you actually start before that? What was the path no. that took you to qualify for this year's classic? Well, we had uh, this Bassmaster Team uh, Championship. It starts off. In, in Texas, it starts off with they have a three uh, three lakes you can qualify on, and you only have to fish one to qualify. You have to you have to finish in the top fifty percent of the qualifier, and uh, one of the three lakes um, happened to be on a on a central region lake, not too far from my house. I mean, I know the lake pretty well, so uh, my partner and I decided to forego the first two and just we figured we could come in the top fifty percent on our home lake, and we ended up winning it. And that was in April, and that qualified us for the state event, which is out in uh, Lake Conroe. That's what had the uh, Toyota Bass uh, Classic. But uh, that's uh, Con- Lake Conroe is just north of Houston, and I I'd never fished it before, but my partner knew pretty well. So in uh, in October they had the state um, championship, and you have to come in a top three. And I, I believe there were sixty five teams. And what they do is the top three teams will advance. But well, we won that. We actually had a 33-pound bag on the final day. We were down. We were sitting in, uh, I think, ninth place. We had 15 pounds. We lost one that got around the trolling motor, and we were really bummed out. But we came in with 33 pounds on day two. We really whacked, and we had, uh, we had a 10, an 8, a 6, a 5, and a 3.5. And Tell us a little bit about yeah. the bite. How did how'd you catch your fish that day, and what led you to fishing like that? Well, we had, uh, I don't know if you remember the weekend, it was October when that hurricane hit Mexico and came through Mexico and went into Texas. And uh, there wasn't any light. The weather was terrible, obviously, but there wasn't any lightning, so they let us go out. We uh, we were working this uh, this bridge, this riprap along the bridge, and I was throwing a, uh, that, 
Rapala DT-10 and a DT-14. And what we were doing, we were hitting those bigger fish. They were sitting at that last rock between the mud and the riprap, that last rock. So we were actually throwing it out a little bit and bringing it into the riprap. And they were, they were there. And wow. uh, we, you know, we only stuck about 10 fish that day, but they were the right ones. Right. So now you're talking about uh, you were fishing a team event. How did this become, uh, you know, evolve into something that you qualified as an individual for? Well, what they did is they, they took the top three of that tournament that we won out on Condo, which qualified us for the national event. Well, the national event was held on Lake Gunnersville, Alabama, as you know, and uh, they had 197 teams qualified at 394 guys uh, fishing for one spot of the Classic. So what they do is 197 teams, um, then they take the top three of those. Well, we finished second. We... we uh, we had a dead fish penalty that cost us, we, you know, in Texas or in anywhere, you really can't uh, call a dead fish. So um, we had to weigh in that, that little dead fish that cost us the uh, championship. But we ended up in second place, uh, which qualified us for the, the fish-off. So what they do is they take the top three teams, split you up. So now it's man against man and six guys fishing for a spot to the class. Wow. And uh, So then yeah, you're actually was... fishing against your your good buddy, that uh, and maybe a bunch of other good buddies that you, you've uh, fished with uh, for the entire season. That's got to be tough. Yeah, it was tough, and they kept asking us, well, how are you guys going to share your water? Where are you going to go? And to be honest, I'd never been on Gunnersville before that, that tournament. My partner fished the Elites back in 2011, so he's you know, obviously a good stick, and he's been on the water once or twice before. And uh, But uh, we went out there and practiced, and we, you know, we hit some of those grass piles, and they just weren't there. I mean, we were catching two and three pounders, but not those good quality fish that Gunnerville has. And then uh, the last day of practice, I stuck a seven pounder on that swim bait, just on a main lake point. Uh, really, just the fish was just suspended in the middle of nowhere. But uh, we had uh, we went by that bridge. We eventually started fishing at, and we just marked a bunch of bait. We didn't even fish in a practice. So but, even uh, though you were going to be fishing against uh, your teammate when it came to the uh, uh, the pre-fish, you guys uh, fished together and, and kind of shared information. Oh yeah, I mean it, it was we didn't we didn't you know the weigh-in was so late, and then we had a, a meeting, pre-tournament meeting, a pre-tournament meal. We had to do interviews and get everything ready. I mean, I didn't even have time to. I only tied like two knots that night. I was so tired. But uh, you know, <laughs> we we both knew we were going to go to that spot, and um, the way it turned out, I was the boater. We finished in second place, so uh, the first place team they had both one and two, and then we were both three and four. But since I was the boater, they had me at three and him at four. But uh, when we when we pulled out, I actually let him go ahead of me because uh, you know he's been the A player on the team. I wanted him to get you know the first the, the little sweet spot before me, so I let him have that. And uh, we went out there, and, and uh, that spot where you're fishing, we really need current. And, and on the weekends, they weren't pulling any current at all, and it was. Bluebird day, there was no wind, and those fish just weren't biting at all. I mean, we didn't have, it was an hour and a half before I had a bite. And then that one, that one pulled off. The one after that pulled off, and I was just, at that point, you know, I'm just trying to have fun because I knew, it, you know, it just wasn't going to be my day. And then my partner pulled up. He's like, he hadn't caught any. And I said, you know, I just had a chew pull off right here. He said, well, I'm going to go run some grass. And I said, well, they're here. I'm just going to stay here. And, um, 
you know, moved around that bridge. And the, what they did is they had to, they wanted to do a two day fish off for the six guys, but they had to call one of the, one of the days because of fog. So mm. what we did is we went out for four hours, came back, had a weigh in, went out for another four hours, came back and had another weigh in. Wow. So, yeah, so we got out there, looked at 6.30, started fishing at 6.45, and at 10 o'clock, I finally stuck a four-pounder, like 30 minutes before weigh-in, 20 minutes before I have to leave, and uh, threw back in there, stuck at two, and then I had to run the weigh-in. So I had six pounds at the first weigh-in. Some guy had a had a 12-pound bag, another guy had an eight-pound bag. I was in third with a six-pound bag. And then uh, my partner didn't catch a fish. He he didn't. He went to run some grass, didn't get bit. And then uh, I think the two guys next to him didn't have a fish either. It was fishing tough. I mean, they're, they're not pulling current, high pressure, bluebird day, no wind. It was just fishing tough. I just so fished Gunnersville in October, and it, it's been tough. Even Aaron Martin said it's tough. Yeah, it's. but I told my partner, look, I, I stuck those two fish, you know, right right before weigh-in. you got to come back out to that bridge, you know, because... You know, I'm, I'm not really fishing against my partner. I want either him or I to go. Sure. So I'm just like, I'm just like, man, you got to come out there with me. It's gonna, it's got to be one or two of us because 12 pounds. And then they did a little interview, you know, at the weigh-in, and he said, I caught those 12, I caught those that 12 pounds within the first 30 minutes. You know, my fish are gone. I'm just gonna go fishing. So I mean, we knew that we were on the, the winning bag. So we went back out there, and again, just nothing for an hour. And then he uh, went to run some riprap along the bridge we were fishing that was occupied by boats all during the tournament. But obviously when it's just the, the six of us, you know, we had all that water to ourselves. Except for the crappie fishermen inside the bridge, I had to kind of get around those guys. But um, anyway, so about an hour into it, I stuck a six. An hour later, I stuck a five. And then, you know, an hour later, you know, I'm just slow rolling this this uh, seven-inch asterisk swim bait. And I, and I couldn't fish it any slower. I mean, it was just painfully slow to get these fish to eat it. And uh, I had a fish on, it pulled off, and then I caught that that last one. And that, that's the one that really got me excited. Like, man, I think I have a chance. Because that gave me, you know, that guy would have had to catch him to, to beat me. So, Hey, Tom, we've got to take... We've got to take a break right now. Can you uh, stay okay. over for another segment and finish your story? Sure. And Woody and I have a few other questions we would like to ask you. All right. Sounds good. Hey, we are speaking with Dr. Tom Martin, and he is the 55th qualifier for the 2016 Bassmaster Classic that will be held this year on Grand Lake out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're going over the story on how he filled that last spot. Stay tuned. Wendy Toshar and I will be back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Rando from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. At Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg, he's spending some holiday time with family, but Woody Toshahar is with me tonight. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and with us is Dr. Tom Martins, and Dr. Tom is the 55th qualifier for the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. Yeah, that's right. He qualified, was the last fisherman to qualify. We're going over Dr. Tom's story on just how he went about doing it. He was fishing Lake Gunnersville. It was a hard bite, but it seems like a product that's produced here on the West Coast uh, from Bruce Porter at Bass Tricks Products was uh, was uh, a lure that uh, worked really well for you, Dr. Tom. Yeah, I was throwing that, uh, that same one Steve Reese wanted on uh, back in May. It was that 7-inch Asterix in that IU color. In the IU color. A, uh, sure. Yeah, three-quarter ounce uh, Revenge Head and... Uh, 
it was heavy, man. It was it was tough, and I had to I had to get it past the shade line. I was getting bit in two places. One was on the shade line, and the other one was out in front of the bridge. And I had to do a roll cast and get it, you know, under an eight foot bridge, but get it out far enough to get it past that shade line. Then I had to work it out, and it was just, uh, you know, it was tough. It was, I had to do some of the best casting I've ever done. Well, you know, you you got three fish, and and review for us again. What were the size of those uh, three fish that you got? Well, the afternoon, uh, the first session, I had a four and a two, really on back-to-back casts after after not having a bite for a couple hours, and it seemed like that that four pounder I caught kind of kind of got the the area stirred up a little bit. Then I had to run back to weigh in, but uh, then I came back and about an hour and a half into it, I stuck a six. About uh, forty-five minutes later, I stuck a five, and then a five plus, and I, I missed one. And then uh, right there, 30 minutes before we in, I stuck another five plus. Came in with uh, four fish for t- almost 23 pounds. Boy, when you uh, you stuck that third fish and you had that thing in the boat, did uh, I know that uh, you're probably uh, used to situations when it comes to dealing with people with in- injuries where you're making decisions, but was the adrenaline pop- pumping at the time? Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew I had a chance. I just tried to tried to put that thought out of my head. I knew I I needed another fish, and even after I caught that fourth one, I I knew that I needed a fifth one just to uh, just. To, I mean, you never know with those guys. I mean, Gunnersville is going to throw some big fish, and and uh, those guys I was fishing. I fished against that guy that was in second bout. He's a he's a Louisiana boy, and he um, out in East Texas. We have a lot of a lot of major competition out there on Toledo Band and Sam Braver. And I fished against him before. And, um, yeah, he's a good stick. And, you know, all these guys are good. Well, but, tell uh, us about uh, uh, waiting in the weigh-in line and seeing other people weighing their fish and you knowing what you had. Tell us about that feeling and, and, and how that went for you. Well, I I really thought that I had it. I mean, I, I saw his bag. It looked like he had around 12 13 pounds. I knew he was going to need about 15, 16 pounds to beat me. Um, but I didn't want to, I, I didn't know for sure until, you know, until the scales said what they said. And it's just, uh, you know, I just couldn't believe it. Like you said, you just, I didn't know. <laughs> I just didn't know how to act. It was just, it was just surreal. Man, that's it. Okay. Well, were, did they uh, kind of line you up, and so you were the last guy to kind of weigh in because there was yeah. someone else on the hot seat, or what was uh, yeah. what was the positioning? Well, I was sitting in in third after the first weigh-in, so I weighed in fourth. And um, you know, when I weighed in, uh, the guy behind me that had eight pounds, I think he only had uh, one fish in the afternoon, and then uh, and then there was the guy leading it. He had, he had twelve pounds. At the halfway point, and they needed, I had 28 pounds after both sessions, and they needed 16 pounds to get me. And then uh, he ended up having 10 pounds, so I ended up, uh, I don't know if I needed that, that fourth fish or not, but it was, it would have been close without it. Well, you're you're sitting there or you're standing there, you're raising the, the trophy, you've got the, the crowd going crazy. Tell us, uh, Qualifying for the Bassmaster Classic now, has it changed your life any differently than it was before you went to Gunnersville? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 
I'm on your show doing an interview. Yeah, you would have been here if it wasn't for that. So congratulations. <laughs> but please don't tell me this is the highlight. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I've given um, almost a dozen interviews. Um, I've got some some uh, rod reel manufacturers, some bait companies uh, calling. It's, it's you know, I'm just trying to get out to the lake. I, uh, you know, we qualified, and then I, you know, I had been gone from my practice for a week, and then I show up, and, you know, I've got two weeks worth of work to do, and uh, we've got Christmas coming up, and I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to get out to the, I've never fished Grand before, so I just want to get out and look at it, because um, it goes off limits January 1, so I've got, a couple of days between Christmas and New Year's, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive up there and just kind of go around and meet at the lake, try and you know try and find something that I could that I can look for in a month or two. How will you prepare for that? I mean, will uh, uh, you look at uh, maps? Will you talk to you know a lot of your friends that have been on it? You know, a lot, lot you know, a lot of the fishermen they have their their own lines, but you know. You're you're not a guy that uh, just comes up and slaps Aaron Martin or Dean Rojas or uh, uh, KVD on the back because in truth there could be a lot of these guys that you've never met. Exactly right, exactly right. I I uh, I get confused. I mean, obviously my the spelling of my name is the same as Aaron's, <laughs> and uh, you know I fish some of the, these bigger events out here, and people get confused at first, and then obviously we've got. Uh, Tommy Martin out here. He's an East Texas guy. He won the classic. Uh, so I've been confused with him a few times. Um, you know, back when they used to announce your your boater and then they match you up at the co-angler, or they'd, they'd say your name and, and they'd say, you know, Tom Martin's. And then both Tommy and I would go meet the same co-angler. So that's how I met him. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy. Well, you know, I, I know that you've been doing this a lot on your own, but, you know, you have to have some good sponsors and people behind you. Uh, uh, Tom, uh, tell us, who are some of the people that have been supporting you up until this time and are going to be supporting you coming up in the 2016 Bassmaster Classic? Well, I have to thank uh, Cliff Brown and uh, Texas Boat World. He's out of Central Texas. And uh, he was real instrumental with getting me uh, on the uh, Ranger Pro Staff. And then I, I've been with Yamaha uh last couple of years. But this year I went back to Mercury, and Mercury has been great. And um, I just couldn't ask for a better better uh, rig with, you know, running that Ranger Z520C. Have you, have you been able to uh, contact or talk to any of the other qualifiers for the Classic and maybe get together with them when it comes to lodging or anything like that? Or are you going not, to be just kind of like, you know, like the outsider looking in? You know, I, I've met Keith a few times. Um, Keith is also uh, with Texas Bowl World and Ranger, and I haven't talked to him yet. I did talk to Gary Klein. He's not fishing this year, um, but I did talk to Gary Klein. I mean, uh, I've met him a few times. You, you know, I don't know if you've ever had him on your show, but you want to talk about a class act, and that's, that's Gary Klein. uh, And, you know, something about Gary is every time I've been to a Bassmaster Classic and talked to the contenders, everybody loves and respects Gary Klein. And even Randy Howell, when he won, it was just amazing, the camaraderie around those guys. Yeah, you know, he kind of, you know, got me back in the moment, told me what to expect a little bit and, uh, you know, what I I should be doing. I mean, not not as far as strategy or, or the lake at all, but just kind of, you know, just what to expect. 
Well, you know, you're not you're not like one of the youngest guys in the classic either. As a matter of fact, when the, uh, you get to the age that you are, there's guys there that have been. Uh, this might be their fifteenth, sixteenth uh, classic. So, um, you know, how are you feeling about that going up against this caliber of fishermen? Well, I, had a, I did another interview where they were asking me, you know, how am I gonna how am I gonna fight off KVD and Iconelli at the same cove? And I figured if I'm if I'm in the same cove with those two guys, then obviously I'm doing something right. I'm the right, <laughs> right fish. But you know, I mean, you know, I have a I have a great day job. This is this is a dream come true for me. Um, you know, I'd love to fish the tour, but uh, you know, right now it's just one tournament at a time. And uh, you know, my boys are getting the I have two young boys, nine and seven. They're starting to get into sports, and you know, they need a lot more of my time. So you know, it's just. Your, your boys, uh, right uh, can they recognize uh, exactly what you've done and where you're going and, and appreciate the, uh, this fact? Because, again, we're talking about only 55 of the best fishermen in the United States being there. And a lot of, the, you know, when you look at the the path you took to get there, it's, you know, you're really in a rarefied atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they don't. I don't think they they grasp it. You know, if I had made my way onto some kind of Pokemon classic, then maybe they'd be impressed. But you know, it's just you know they they've seen me on TV before for you know medical stuff. But uh, you know, it's I don't think they fully grasp it. They just say, you know, that's cool, Dad. <laughs> what are what are some of the lures that you're going to fall back on? That you're going to going to be your go to lures? You think when you uh, uh, get there to uh, Grand Lake. Well, you know, I've, I've uh, in between patients, I've watched some YouTube videos of the 13 Classic that Cliff Pace won, and you know, he's like everyone else. They were throwing a jerk bait. They had that 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 cold front move through there, so the autumn yeah. were throwing jerk baits, and I imagine that'll be a player as well. And uh, and then also that football head jig. You know, I never fished Grand Lake, but it but I, I hear it sets up a lot like my home lake on uh, Lake Travis. Obviously, the the fish are a little bigger out there, but you know, I throw I throw a football head quite a bit out here, and uh, so I'd, I'd love it if it, if that uh, if that jig bar was on. Well, Dr. Tom Martin, the 55th qualifier for the 2015 Bassmaster Classic. Congratulations! There are tens of thousands of fishermen that would be hoping they're in the same uh, situation that you are. Rod Real Radio, we want to wish you good luck. We're going to be following you. And, man, would there be nothing better to have you on the radio again as the 2016 Bassmaster Classic champion. And that sure would be something. All right. Hey, thank you for being with us, sir. Good luck to you. We'll stay in contact with you. And thank you for giving up some of your Sunday night. And to from our family to yours, you please have a very holy and happy Christmas time. Thank you for having me on. All right. Hey, that was Dr. Tom Martin uh, fishing the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. Hey, Wendy and I, we got to take a break right now. This is Rod Real Radio on AM540 or rodreelradio.com. More to come with Captain James Nelson and the California Inshore Report. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages.
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure to online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. Welcome back to Ron Real Radio. The beautiful Wendy Toshahar is with me tonight. Always a pleasure to have Wendy, and I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. And it's now time for the Southern California Inshore Report with Captain James uh, Nelson, the fish icon himself, Captain James, a good Sunday evening to you, sir. And to you, too, Johnny. Hey. How are you doing there, lad? Ah, we done be doing good. <laughs> We're uh, hanging up the stockings with care, hoping that St. Nicholas soon would be here. How about yourself and your family, Jim? Hi, we're doing our best. Yeah, you know, the wife and kids are in there making a gingerbread house, and that's pretty cool. I'm on the bed, just finished myself another bowl of soup, chicken soup. I tell you, Joe, today I've seen more football than I have all season long. <laughs> well, that's gingerbread house. Uh, Wendy, uh, uh, did you uh, post a picture a couple of weeks ago of the gingerbread house you were making? No, that wasn't me. That wasn't you? That My wasn't you that grown. took all you those slices that. of white bread and put them over the jar of ginger? <laughs> uh, 
you had posted that, that you were making a gingerbread house. Captain James, I think you and your family, you're probably, uh, you know, giving a gingerbread house a little bit more detail than that. They probably are. You know, I'm staying away from it, though. I don't want to contaminate it. I've been fighting a bug now for the last few days and just about got it done, which means it's somewhere else. So hopefully it all went down the shower drain. But we'll uh, I hope so. Well, <laughs> well, tell us a little bit. When you had a chance to get out there, uh, you know, we've had some fronts come through. It seems like everything's cooling off. Had some awful cool mornings. How did that affect our, our local inshore fishing? You know, that that's really it, John. I think that's where I've gotten this from because, you know, it's been um, even below 40 on some mornings, which I know to, to folks, you know, East and north of us, they just think that's crazy. But you got to, folks don't get is the fact that it may be 40 in the morning and 75 in the afternoon. That 35 degree temperature change in the thermometer, I mean, means we're blasting the heater to go to work and we're blasting the air conditioning coming home. So it's 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 quite a change, quite an effect on us humans. You can only imagine what it's doing to the water. And I'm seeing right now, John, that. That bay water that only a few weeks ago we were complaining that it was still too warm at 72 degrees, it's below 60 in some areas. We actually saw it 58 in wow. parts of the bay yesterday, and that's just that's just that's a quick snap, you know, for it to all of a sudden just to go down like that. You know, when when you get swings like that, are there fish that will bite better? You think in that cooler water than they did the warmer water, or is there a time when the water changes like that quickly that the fish need a little time to reorient themselves to that temperature change before they start getting on it again? Well, I think more than anything, it takes time for us to figure out what they're doing. I think, uh, you know, that I've, I've always put the blame on myself anyway in that in that aspect. I mean, I, the fish are there. they got to eat. They don't have refrigerators, Tupperware, Ziplocs. So, you know, they eat when the food's near them um, and when their body tells them to eat. So, yeah, I think their metabolism probably does slow down a little bit, you know, when it gets colder. I mean, that's been proven. And there's a whole bunch of Bill Nye, the science guy stuff behind it all. But if you look at it, the fish themselves, from what I've seen as far as how quickly we respond to their changes, it's easier for, for us to respond to their changes on a warming trend than it is for us to respond to their changes on a cooling trend. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we come off of, you know, throwing uh, spoons, catching them within the first 10 feet of the water, birds diving, they're chasing anchovy schools all over the place to getting out there, and it's just a dead sea out there where you got to find them. Now you got to work along the bottom a little slower with the grub, uh, Instead of making, you know, 10 casts per minute, you're making one cast per 10 minutes. So it, it really is a whole slowdown going on to, to getting these fish to bite there. It really does seem to uh, that their diet has changed. I mean, they are coughing up more shrimp pieces, more crab pieces, whereas just a couple of weeks ago, it was all about the anchovies. So make a change. How about the red crab? When you've had a chance to go out a little bit in the mouth of the bay, have you have you found that the fish are are still eating red crab? And are, you know, are the red crab there? We have not seen any any evidence of red crab either through the fish that we've caught or in the waters. Uh, the last couple trips that we 
be kicking out. We've had some really good rockfish trips recently. I had one just the other day, and from what I could see, there's no evidence whatsoever of red crab. Right. Um, and although I didn't see any evidence from the fish's end of squid, it looked like there was that kind of biomass on the fish finder. So um, we can only, we can only tell. I mean, without putting a camera or a diver down there, you know, because like I said, the fish weren't coughing up squid. You know, going through some of my notes and seeing some of the pictures of uh, uh, of the way we fished in November and December, it just seemed like this was always a good time for a halibut. And uh, uh, you know, I've I've seen a lot of halibut coming on up. And if people are wanting to go out for a halibut, uh, you got any tips or suggestions that you want to pass on to us on how to target them? Well, up until this past week, uh, we were getting them really shallow. We were catching them again under the birds, you know, getting around those anchovy schools um, until I see more evidence of, of bait fish, either whether it be mullet, smelt, or anchovies. Uh, I would just, you know, do the old-fashioned drift in the, the deep ledges and uh, the flats and just go from there. Now, again, if you start seeing start seeing fish diving, uh, or birds, excuse me, birds diving. Birds are diving on the small fish that the bigger fish are bringing up, and there's going to be bigger fish below those bigger fish. And, that, and that's just the way that bay works. So it's a matter of seeing that kind of life happen. That I just, like I said, this whole week, John, we have not seen that kind of life like we were. Doesn't mean you can't catch fish. It's just you got to just remember the old low and slow technique and just get something down there, more shrimp-like, more uh, crab-like, crustacean. Just uh, and just dredge the bottom. I mean, even if you are fishing something like a swim bait, it's thin fish. Like, just get it down there on the bottom and just drift, drag, crawl, creep, and just keep it on the bottom for, until you start seeing some surface activity. If if uh, you know people are going out, let's say even the private boaters right now, uh, fishing in the immediate uh, area around the Shelter Island launch ramp or the launch areas, uh, uh, you know what. Can you give any suggestion on what seems to be biting right now? Well, you know, have your spoons and your surface type stuff ready, whether it be uh, surface iron, you know, your favorite uh, spoon, crocodile, or a jigging spoon, like the mega baits, or just have uh, some, something flashy that you could bring in within the first 10, 15 feet of the surface, even, you know, your favorite big jerk bait. Because there are, still are some bonita schools to be had around, and, uh, you know, you could just predict that there will be some type of bait fish or another hatching around in and around the, that area between Shelter Island to the mouth. Just just keep your eyes out for that. So if you got and got the capability of taking more than one or two rods rigged up, have something like that ready. Be ready to go, even a hair jig, uh, but be prepared to fish mostly around on the bottom, either a drop shot, dropper loop or a, uh, a lead head, you know, three-quarter, one-ounce lead head, just drag the bottom. That's going to be your go-to when it comes to the bass and halibut. But have have something that you can throw at, you know, in case you start seeing some bird activity. All right. Well, Jim, if we want to uh, look at your schedule, uh, sign up to go out with you, whether it's a half day or full day, how's the best way of going about doing it? Well, you can always give me a call at uh, 619-395. 0799 or go to thefishicon.com and you'll see yeah i mean i've been doing this for a while john as you know and you've been seeing some of my pictures i've been popping up from facebook just looking at what we've caught in the past compared to what we're catching now there's not a lot of difference i mean there you can almost write an almanac on on what should be biting and what is biting 
And if you can't go right now, you do have a special and uh, uh, a few other things available that uh, the fishermen can take advantage of. Tell us about that. Oh, absolutely. I've got the gift certificate program. It's a year-round thing. You can always get a gift certificate either for yourself or a family member at any time. But uh, what I do uh, starting the second week of December on out to close out the year is I knock it off by 50 bucks. Wow. So that is, regardless of what you buy that gift certificate for, whether it be a half-day, full-day, whatever you want to do for the person you're getting it for, whether it be Bay Lake or Saltwater, uh, we customize the gift certificate for the person, so it has that person's name on it. However many people you want to invite on the trip, you know, we, we take care of it for you, get it all on the certificate, and then you get $50 off what it would normally cost for that trip. So that's a pretty good deal. All right. Well, Jim, uh, again, we'll look forward to talking to you during the week. We wish you and your family a very happy and holy Merry Christmas, and uh we look forward to speaking to you next week, and we're going to try and get out with you before this year ends. We'll do what we can there, John, and Merry Christmas to you, Wendy, Stan, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks a lot. That's Captain Merry James Christmas Nelson, the fish icon. Hey, Wendy, you had a chance to get out there uh, a little bit. Tell us about your trip. Oh, wow. We had an amazing trip. We uh, all made it over to Sea Landing in Santa Barbara. Uh, Jamie and Jason Diamond, just the sea from Frank, and uh, so um, Cy runs that boat. Him, him and his crew, they're wonderful. They did a great job. Cy put us on the fish. We had limits of ling cod up to twenty-two pounds. Nice. And uh, um, it was, and it's three per person too now. So we had an awesome time. Um, they ended up uh, making bait for, or they had bait for us. They had a mackerel for us to use for the lings, and that's what really got them going. Um, but um, we had uh, lots of rockfish and lots of great fun, a great group of people, and um, just couldn't couldn't have had more fun. You know, I thought that it was going to be really bad. The weather was going to be bad. But it wasn't bad. We got a little wet, but we brought our rain gear, and the fish don't care. So, you know, they kept biting. We had a great time. Boy, it sounds like an and ling caught up to 22 pounds. That's a pretty good deal. What type of a trip was that? Was that like a half day, a three-quarter day uh, overnight, or what? It was a three-quarter day trip. We left at 7, and we got back to the dock by 4 or 5, I don't recall, and uh, just I mean, the, the, I don't know if you saw the pictures, John, but these guys had bellies. Yes, I did see that. You know, and what's nice about going on up there is that you're not that far from the fishing ground. So on a three-quarter day boat, you get a lot of fishing in. Yeah, and that's why I like going out of Santa Barbara because it's it's not that far. It's It's a further drive, you know, by car, but it's a shorter ride by boat. Oh, man. Well, Wendy, I'm glad you had yourself a great trip. And, again, what boat did you go on, and uh, do you know how to get a hold of those folks if uh, people want to uh, book a trip with them? And are, are they going out uh, regularly during the winter now? They're going out regularly. The rockfish season ends December 31st. Um, but uh, they go out regularly. It's the Coral Sea Sport Fishing, also Stardust Sport Fishing. It's the same owner's. And you can look them up on the Internet or you can look them up um, on Facebook. Uh, Coral Sea just, uh, I think they had another great trip today um, out at the islands again. 
Wow. So coral sea sport fishing. Well, Wendy, that's just about it for tonight. Can you imagine uh, we're just a few days away from Christmas? You know, I can't imagine because I haven't even done my Christmas shopping yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, well, then I, I want to put in a plug over here. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping for your special fishing friend, <laughs> Angler's Arsenal is going to be open 5 o'clock every night until Christmas Eve. So stop by your local fishing tackle store. And if you can't if figure out that gift to get your uh, fishermen, maybe get a gift certificate and let them go out and choose what they want because I can't tell you how much the fishermen appreciate those gift certificates when they come in. I'm and they last forever. Heck yeah. We we had a oh, gift, yeah. I had a gift certificate come in about four weeks ago that we issued in two thousand and two. So, Don, yes. I have two or three of your gift certificates still, and that <laughs> and that was when I used to fish bass tournaments. So that's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Wendy, we wish you and your family a happy holiday. Uh, do you have any special tradition that you're going to uh, 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 adhere to? No, um, not really. We just, uh, you know, family gets together and we all make food and have a potluck and, and just have a great old time. How about you? Uh, we have established a, a, a tradition where there's a restaurant that we'd like to go to called Delmonico's in Encino, and they have a lobster and prime rib buffet. It's actually a seafood buffet with much, much more than that. And if uh, I find something good to eat, I'll post it on uh, Rod Real Radio on Facebook so that you, you can all take advantage of it. But the big thing, it's a place for us, time for us to get together with the family. And I hope all of you out there get a chance to do that. And behalf of Stan, Wendy, Ben, Jorge, Cynthia, Trudy, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune. And we want to give a special shout-out also to JR, who was our producer at the AM 540 Studios for a long time. JR, thank you very much. I've known you've gone on, and we wish you the best of luck. We hope that our paths cross again. We want to thank Jorge and Cynthia for doing a great job. On getting us out tonight, always thank Ben Harvey for doing a great job locally here. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. So on behalf of Stan and Wendy, we wish you a very happy and holy Merry Christmas. It is the uh, time of the year to get together with family and think of them and your friends and also those people that can't be with us. So on behalf of the entire Rod and Reel Radio family, you have yourself a great holiday. We'll be back next Sunday night at 5.05 p.m. on AM 540 or at com. And remember, now you'll be able to even get us on podcast, but you can still go to the archive page of Rod Real Radio to pick us on up. Until next Sunday night, go out and get them. I hope you get all kinds of new toys to play with. We want to hear about it. Y'all keep safe because we want you You back next Sunday night. Good night, everyone. On behalf of all of us, a very happy Christmas. By a shady, weighty pool. Shangri-La. Really la. I'm wishing I could be that kind.